As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Beyond the Paint with Bernadine, a show that engages you with female artists through works that expose the astonishing beauty of women's inner lives. My hope is to introduce you to a part of the art world you may never have known. And together, we will give these women, makers, and artists a voice and set them in their rightful place in the canon of art. If you enjoy this series, please take a moment to subscribe. Is there a woman artist you would like to see exposed on this podcast? If yes, I would love to hear from you. Email me at bernadine at beyondthepaint.net. Thank you. And welcome to episode 94, the contemporary artist Meg Hitchcock, Visual Mantras of Devotion. Before we dive into Meg's work and artistic practice, I want to send a special thank you to the artist Sally Brown Deskins, who wrote me to share her interest in coming on the podcast and for suggesting a female artist for me to celebrate, the African-American artist Renee Cox. My next episode, number 95, will highlight Cox's provocative photographs and videos that address racism and sexism in society. So stay tuned for that, and thank you so much, Sally, for your enthusiasm for this series. There is a fascinating link between women artists who get their voices across through the use of text within art. Words become an image. Through text drawings, the contemporary female artist Meg Hitchcock gives voice to her personal journey as a spiritual seeker. A fine arts painter, she chose language because, as she describes, language is more specific than paint. What draws me in so deeply into Meg's landscapes of text and in some works, a repetition of a carefully chosen singular word is her incredible curiosity to find universal truths. Her practice is to dismantle sacred texts across multiple religions. From Christian Bible, the Torah from Judaism, and Islam's Quran cross-pollinating the language into intricate threads of text, creating compositions that visually provoke the viewer to see belief structures in new and meaningful ways. Her works, quote, highlight the beauty of the world's various religions. 
And when I look closely at Hitchcock's drawings, my body and mind transition into a contemplative state. I bathe in those words. All my senses wade in the passages she composes on the canvas. They are, and I love this description, visual mantras of devotion. Hitchcock says, quote, In my text drawings, I examine and dissect the word of God. I deconstruct a sacred text by cutting its individual letters and reassemble them to form a passage from another holy book. The Quran is transformed into the Bible, the Bible into the Bhagavad Gita, and so on. I discourage a literal reading of the text by eliminating punctuation and spacing. A sentence from one text merges with a passage from another, and by bringing together the sacred writings of diverse religions, I undermine their authority and speak to the common thread that weaves through all scripture. So let's dive into one example and one of my favorites, Ten Hail Marys and a Gloria B, a 10 by 30 work. Letters are cut from, from the author Dwight Goddard's The Buddha's Golden Path, the classic introduction to Zen Buddhism. Goddard was the f- one of the first Americans to interpret the Dharma for an English-speaking audience, and this is 1929, that helped popularize Buddhism in the United States. And from this text, Hitchcock, with incredible precision, cuts out letters and arranges them in single file, one letter behind another letter in the shape of an extended rosary. Rosary is a set of prayers used in the Catholic faith. Strings of knots or beads are used to count the individual prayers, including Hail Mary and Glory Be. The set of prayers begins with an Our Father leading the faithful to the mysteries of events in the life of Christ. It is a spiritual tool to help guide the individual through a recitation of prayers to related challenges and celebrations of, of his or her life. I grew up in a traditional Roman Catholic family. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the centerpiece of my family's faith, especially for the women, my mother and aunts and grandmother. My mother looked to Mary as a role model for guidance to be the intercessor to Jesus when she faced personal challenges in her life. Rosaries were recited almost daily, and I had several rosaries throughout my childhood. To be so indoctrinated in that form of prayer and faith, and then pivoted to see these sets of prayers through the words of another faith, Boozism, this merging of two faiths through text and the visual, the experience of looking and contemplating Hitchcock's work provided another entryway to connect with my spirit and the universal ideas embedded in other religions. I saw this work as part of an installation, 10,000 Mantras in 2018, and an exhibition at Real Artways in Hartford, Connecticut. The installation included other text drawings, but also iconic images of Mary with Jesus and a print of Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. The installation opened me up to learn more about text drawing and Hitchcock's artistic practice. Her story is so interesting. And I'm going to quote from you a part of an interview Hitchcock gave with Kate Tiernan for Studio International magazine in 2014. I was raised in a Methodist family in New England. It was pretty traditional. There was nothing extraordinary. When I got a little older, my dad became a born-again Christian, pretty fundamentalist. So it really influenced me. I became a born-again Christian when I was 12 out of fear and continued on that path until I was 30. 
When I was 20, I moved to Southern California, where there's a huge, very Republican, fundamentalist, born-again Christian movement, including Calvary Chapel. And that's what I did in my 20s, for the most part. My whole social life was around the church. And finally, when I was 30, I was able to say to my therapist, I'm not longer a Christian. And then I started looking at some of the books that I had always thought were evil, such as the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita, all these sacred texts from the East. They were incredibly beautiful. And I'm not a theologian by any means, but it's really in my heart that I experienced this knowledge, the sensation that God is something, but that no one knows what God is. There's no one answer, and every path is legitimate, including the Christian path. I weave them in and out of each other conceptually, and that's pretty much the point behind my work, in that God is found speaking poetically in the threads, noting the overall picture or the overall tapestry. Hitchcock is part of a fascinating history of women artists who, as I shared at the top of this episode, get their voices across the use of text within art. Words become an image. So how can a string of characters separate from literature become art? Well, let's look at a few contemporary women. First, the artist Barbara Kruger. She takes images from mass media and pastes words over them using the graphic vocabulary of advertising. Big, bold act extracts of text using her signature Futura font on large red, white, or black text boxes. She collages these phrases over images to challenge ideas of power, identity, and sexuality. Her iconic work, I Shop, Therefore I Am, makes a statement about material consumption, implying that the public is not defined by what it thinks or brings meaning to, but rather what they own. The work, untitled, Your Gaze Hits the Side of My Face, is equally provocative. The words from the title are stacked vertically in alternating black and white text and text boxes to the left of a photograph of a female portrait bust in profile. She appears to be a block of stone, suggesting that depersonalization of being looked at through the male gaze. Kruger says, I work with pictures and words because they have the ability to determine who we are and who we aren't. Let's consider the text through social activism and the works by the Gorilla Girls. They are a group of contemporary feminist artists who work anonymously behind large rubber gorilla masks, taking on the names of famous dead female artists like Cathay Kollwitz or Frida Kahlo. They create posters that target racism and sexism in gallery and museum shows and collections. Their iconic work, Do Women Have to Be Naked to Get into the the Met Museum?, displays the biting statistics on poster-style canvas. Quote, Less than 5% of the artists in the modern art sections are women, but 85% of the nudes are female. And next to the text is an image of Ang's painting, La Grande Odalisque one of the most famous female nudes in Western art history, with a gorilla head placed over the original face. And then there's the celebrated black female artist, Lorna Simpson, who uses photography and collage to explore identity. Using her own experiences as a black woman, much of it is autobiographical. And she challenges narrow and conventional ideas about women, culture, and race through striking juxtapositions of text and stage images. 
She uses disjointed text with visual images, often resulting in troubling impressions. In the 1989 work, Bits and Pieces, is a series of black and white photographs of a woman's face stacked one atop the other. In the first image, we see her lips, neck, and left ear, and as her eye moves downward, each photo reveals less of her face, removing any image of her mouth, indicating the silencing of her voice. On each side of the stacked photographs are words, white letters against a black label, night, loud, pain, yellow, carpet, skin, and at the bottom of the collage, two phrases. At the count of five, you will remember, and at the count of five, you will forget. Simpson opens a dialogue about patriarchy and sexism in the context of a black woman. What I see common to all of the women artists, including Hitchcock, is this demand from the spectator or the viewer, like myself, for active participation. The artist in works offers hints of meaning without telling their audience what to think. I attended Hitchcock's exhibition opening at the Garrison Art Center in New York a couple of weeks ago. In one of the spaces, I experienced several works, landscapes that built up through one word. Hitchcock types over and over the same word in the same font and then cuts them out and arranges them on painted paper like little towers. You have to cock your head to read the word. The words are later and collide uniformly atop of one another and above and below each other. In the work Persephone, the word Persephone is repeated on paper painted green. It is not a solid green. There is resonant hues of green. The texture of the paper, the resounding repetition of Persephone and me, the viewer, and all the associations I bring to that word, that text, Persephone, the tangibility of that visual expression. I mean, whoosh, I am just transported into the underworld, into the narrative of Persephone. And just in case you are not familiar with the Greek myth, Persephone is the daughter of the goddess Demeter, who was kidnapped by Hades and later became queen of the underworld. In her newer series, Illuminated Manuscripts, Hitchcock combines sacred text with painting, drawing, sewing, and burning. This series is inspired by medieval illuminated manuscripts. They were originally executed on prepared animal skins called parchment, lettered by hand and painted with elaborate illustrations of often religious stories or the visions of spiritual leaders. In Hitchcock's series, she, quote, challenges our thinking and reinforce her core beliefs when she states, I find it to be deeply comforting to exchange my belief in God for a trust in humanity. Unquote. Unlike the piece Persephone, this series is made up of smaller works, 14 by 11, and there is a sense of whimsy in the works, the colors, the intuitive markings, and exploration of materials like thread or gold leaf. They are just magical. I Shall Be Released is composed of letters cut from the Bible. The text is framed in yellow paint shaped like slithering snake at the bottom. There are some cubes with multicolored sides that anchor the work. And I love this splash of red paint splotched just above the cubes. Hitchcock's evocative works are visual pilgrimages for my spirit and mind. The meanings of her text outside of the canvas open new avenues and fulfill that universal impulse to connect 
with something bigger than myself. Thank you for listening. As you ponder Hitchcock the artist and her execution of text in her works, I encourage you to start right at her website, meghitchcock.com, and drop me, me or Meg herself an email to share your insights and associations you make with the texts of your favorite work. Resources for this episode include the Meg Hitchcock website, the writer Kate Turnin, and Garrison Art Center. Meg's solo exhibition, Illuminate Works on Paper, is up until November 8th. All the links are in the podcast notes. To see the images discussed, please visit my website, beyondthepaint.net, or on Instagram at beyondthepaintpodcast. Um, in the near future, definitely before the um, the year 2020 comes to an end, I have um, some plans with Meg to um, do an extended interview with her. So be on the lookout for that. I really look forward to it. She's um, this really fascinating woman who's, you know, the work I've just come to totally fall in love with. Thank you. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.